Hello guys, here's a quick intro for all you guys. After a little bit of a hiatus, welcome back to another episode of the Strongman Winter Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Camby. This is episode 58 and round two with Dan Hughes, the newest World Strongest Man, 105 Kilo. Let's catch up on everything comp prep, competition, and more, and also overall observations of the official Strongman Games. I will also kind of talk about my thoughts on the official Strongman Games, so tune in to listen to us on today's episode of the Strongman Winter Circle Podcast. Dan, welcome back, Dan. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well, too. Thank you for asking. But this is not really round two. I think this is maybe round six, but in terms yeah. of individual Dan, this is this is round two. It's the second time I've been on for winning something. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's it's great it's great to have you back. Um, how how are you feeling after the big win at 105 kilos? Uh, physically, I feel very healthy. Um, I mean, I celebrated pretty hard last week. So we're we're uh, this is the second weekend since it's happened. Uh, so this week's been treating my body a little bit better. Uh, I have been back in the gym some, but uh, so physically, I feel actually really good, especially considering coming off. Uh, a competition like that uh mentally it's still um it ebbs and flows on whether it's sunk in or not um luckily i have a pretty good gym family here um they they, they continue to remind me um that i'm a world champion which isn't something that i really thought would happen um so i'm just trying to accept it soak it in um haven't thought too much more of what competitively anyway what what's past this week just trying to soak it in once it once it finally sits i think i will uh uh feel a little bit better but it's weird waking up in the morning still got my trophy i haven't set up my trophy case yet uh for in this new house so mm-hmm. my trophy's just kind of sitting out not normally where it would be and i just see it and i'm like damn that's crazy is that a <laughs> coffee table dinner table uh, it's on a it's like on a side table it's a shelf i built in the living room that i kind of just set when i came in got back from charleston i set it there uh and it just kind of stayed there in fact nat even decorated uh christmas decorations around it so it kind of just looks like a centerpiece well uh, as long <laughs> as it's there for everybody to see when once they come through the door i think yeah. that's that's all yeah. really matters so dan i wanted to kind of start the osg journey for you to kind of comment and tell everybody your thoughts and feelings and more from maybe after ASM. So prior ASM, you had some, yet you were running through the one Oh five scenes with a few good podiums, second at OSG last year, a second and third at clash, the 2022 and 2023 Mm -hmm. Um, ASM wasn't quite your contest, but um, a lot of times it takes a little bit of a kind of a a setback in order to go even further. So tell us in terms of after ASM in July. Yeah, so ASM uh, uh, placing wise was my worst placing. I think I got seventh, I believe, worst placing since like 2021 um, in any competition, including amateur ones. And uh, so, it, but my performance, I think, went as well as prep did. So it wasn't like a, excuse me. It wasn't one of those shows where, you know, I just made some terrible mistake and it really set me back. Like the lineup at ASM was very tight. I think it's 12, 13 of us. Um, a lot of shifting around in points. The guys who beat me um, 
they beat a Dan that didn't really make that many mistakes. I just wasn't as prepared as they were for it. So it was, it was I think it's easier to come off of a, a loss like that um, when you've made a mistake of just like, well, I'm better than that. I'm better than them. I just messed up like on that one thing. You know, I think we've all had competitions like that where it's like if I would have done that one thing different, like I could have won or I could have podiumed or whatever. ASM wasn't like that for me. Um, I thought I had the 430 at Hand Farmers. Um, I had it in training, and that was really my biggest disappointment, um, leaving that, because everything else, it went about how I thought it was going to go. Um, but you still so walked away with a world record, correct? You guys all tied. Yeah, I shared a world record with uh, Kevin Candido and Jeff. Um, I believe it's just the three of us. Uh, we all got 400. Um Jeff actually beat me by a couple feet. I got second overall in that event. Jeff beat me by a couple feet at 430, but none of us completed 430. Um, but yeah, everybody, like, I remember, and even my wife said that weekend, she, Natalie was like, you don't seem as upset as I would have expected you to be after this. And I was like, I respect everybody who beat me. Like, the six guys who beat me, they just outperformed me. As simple as that. I didn't make a mistake. Like, I made mistakes in prep obviously that led me to that position but no it was just one of those like i clearly just need to prep better um, and, th and three of them were at ended up being at this osg right with burley yeah Silco, well, I, and I jeffrey think the math the math is the five the five out of the top seven at asm that were in the top or that competed at osg were also in the top seven at osg does that make sense? Did I say that right? The top five at ASM, or top seven at ASM. Five of the top seven at ASM were at the top seven. Yeah. So not in the same order, obviously, because I was seventh at ASM. I was first year. Jeff yeah. won ASM. He's third. You have Burley. Burley was fourth um, and fourth? Was he fourth? Uh, Burley was, I think, sixth. I think Burley was one or two ahead of me. All right. And Justin, then he, I mean, we forgot Hine. Yeah, Hein was third at ASM. He was up there. Um, trying to remember the placings for all of them. But I know the only, as far as the top seven at ASM, the only two that weren't at OSG in the top seven were Justin Loy, who didn't compete, and uh, Zach McCarley, who didn't compete. Yes, that's right. Um, but so, I mean, I mean, I think that's a testament to how competitive ASM is. Um, I mean, as someone who's competed in it, and I know you have as well multiple times and won it multiple times, you know how competitive ASM is. But seven, seven ASMs. Yeah. Well, you've won it twice. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's okay. I, I, I like the being there seven times better. So <laughs> when, when did you? So when did you start your prep for OSG? Were you twelve weeks out? Did you initially mm. plan on doing OSG in when you were coming off? So like we knew, we knew I was going to do it. Or we, I should say, we were fairly confident. And when I say we, I mean Terry and my wife. Like, so we are planning on it. We didn't fully commit until probably end of August, early September, when we confirmed that it was going to work with my school schedule because, like, school's a priority right now. And so uh, we were just making sure that was going to be feasible. But we knew after getting out of the Army in August uh, and moving up to Cincinnati, uh, that that was going to be the next competition as long as it, you know, was going to work out. Uh, as far as 
actual deliberate comp prep. I think it was eight or nine weeks that I started training events, but everything that Terry and I worked on since September did have OSG in mind. Um, so even my off season, which I had, a, I had a good like month or two of off season, uh, but that was still, you know, kind of all the training there was uh, definitely contributed to my comp prep for OSG. Um, so, so tell us about the, the comp prep. So I, I, I would watch, um, and I thought you had very smooth, uh, training. Like, it doesn't seem like you had any mistakes. You didn't really have any days where you were over fatigued and you couldn't really do the workout. Um, and even on all your bag throws, like for instance, when I trained bags, of course, not my best event, I wasn't even quite, I, I usually just do one bag, but it looks like you were just trying to improve your time of all, all six yeah. sandbags. Um, every time you, you went out there. So I feel like, again, a testament to your, your throwing abilities, but yeah, tell us within those eight or nine weeks, did it look as, was it as, did it look as easy as you posted on training or was it, where did you have some uh, difficulties um, in there? I mean, as far as comp prep go, I would say it was uh, like compared to anyone I've had before, I would say it was the smoothest. Um, you know, I'm not traveling multiple times a month like I was for the last two years I'm not living in and out of hotel rooms so that that was a huge help and I, I've known that that has always affected my prep I didn't realize how much it was until like that was no longer a variable um and so like no real injuries that uh I mean aches and pains like normal but you know no no crazy injuries that I had to train around uh I, I believe fatigue management was done really well between me and Terry communicating um, and, you know, Justin with my diet, with how we re refed and how we adjusted the diet the last couple of weeks uh, for my uh, kind of peak week and stuff. Um, but it was probably the best prep I've ever had. Um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there, there was times, don't get me wrong. There's times where I was sitting in the gym and had to do another set another run of an event after setting it up by myself that I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Like this sucks. I do. Like I do feel, I feel dead. I don't, this isn't going to go well. So was that, um, the, was that the go rec medley or was that other events? Uh, well, the go rec medley, there was never a time where I said I wanted to do it, <laughs> but it, it was usually the ones like the, the frame to Danny stone. And it wasn't the event itself. It was that one took the longest out of anything to set up. And so, mm. That one was always really discouraging when I had to do that, just especially if it was late at night. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm just complaining. This is a problem that everybody has uh, when they're training by themselves. But but like Kevin and Derek and other people at the gym at RTS, they would help with that. And that was a huge, not just a, a physical help, but it was a huge mental boost because I've been training alone for so long uh, when I was on the fitness team that like, there was times where my weakness won out and it was just like, I'm, I'm too exhausted to do this. And I'm not going to like, I'm, I'm not going to set up this, you know, taking shortcuts and stuff like that. Unfortunately, this time I had, uh, you know, I had a support group at the gym and out of the gym that helped me when I was really low, uh, you know, still push through because the physical pushing through is easy. Like in a set, that's easy. That's everybody who's at this level does that. But, you know, regardless of how strong you are, we all have weak moments. And so it was nice to finally have like a, a support group full time um, 
know, that was always there to help me out, even when I'm sitting in the corner pouting because I don't want to put 750 pounds on the on the frame, which because all my my frame training was just a rogue hex bar the entire time. What uh, what was the heaviest you you worked on the frame going going to? I did two runs of seven fifty. So which, was uh, that was that like fifty feet back, fifty and fifty, or did you do like? No, two I did fifty and twenty five. But coincidentally, mm-hmm. I didn't know this was going to be this. I did train when I did comp weight, as well as some other sub comp weight events for the the frame to Denny Stones. I practiced with the sprint back instead of just doing it right next to it, which I know doesn't make a huge difference. But there was a lot of groans, I think, when they announced that in the rules meeting. And I was like, <laughs> Nat looked at me and she was like, is that bad? And I was like, was that the hour and a half rules meeting? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was the fun. All rules meetings are super fun all the time. What about your GORUCK uh, training? Did you um, did you get the GORUCK actual bag or were you training on a different bag? <laughs> so I had the GORUCK bag. I did not buy it. Behind, I got right it. Ahead. For, I, I already had it, and the, the, the reason I laughed is I was actually selling it because I had it for work-related reasons from my last job, and I was like, I'm never going to use this. Like, why? I'm getting out of the Army. I don't need to practice ruck training. I don't compete in CrossFit, and I had it on the Facebook Marketplace, and then uh, they announced it, and I was like, well, never mind. I guess I am going to use this at least for another couple months, so I did have that. I just had the 45-pound plate. So I still had to put extra weight in it to get to 100 pounds. What was but, the? Did you actually train competition weight? Uh, I did. So every time I did it, um, regardless of what the bags and the sled weight I was doing, I always had 100 pounds in my pack um, because I figured one, it makes it a little bit harder, but I don't think it's that much more fatiguing as far as like uh, uh, like the extra stress it puts on your body for the volume of just carrying it. Um, and I felt like it was going to be more of a comfort thing um, and get like getting used to that extra weight, just like when we would train or when we'd ruck in the army, like everybody has the same weight on it. It's just who's the most comfortable with that weight as they're walking around in the woods and stuff. So the only way to get better at carrying 100 pounds is to carry 100 pounds on your back in that context. But that's obviously not the same for like all lifts. So. I wore 100 pounds every single training video I posted, whether I was doing 80% uh, bag weight and sled weight or 100%, I always had 100 pounds in the bag. And I think that just made me really comfortable. And I remember because they did have the newer versions at the actual competition. Um, and I remember I put it on and because it didn't have extra like 25 pound plates bouncing around in there, it felt like I was glued to my back. And I just felt like it was like it, it was just comfortable. I felt like I just weighed an extra hundred pounds and not that I had a hundred pounds on my back. Um, so I think that that aspect of training definitely helped for the event. All right. Excellent. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought, I thought you had one of the better trainings going in there and especially yeah. uh, dedicating, of course, all your time after ASM to OSG or just, yeah. or again, there's no other kind of event, events other than of course those other competitors that competed a couple of times, but OSG sometimes is who comes the the best prepared and of yeah. course physically fit because it's I think one of the challenges uh, and you, of course you can speak to this too you go into OSG and it's at the end of the year a lot of times at the end of the year a lot of individuals start getting beat up little injuries start popping out little mm-hmm. nicks and knacks and dings in there um, mm-hmm. so a lot of times who can come in there the healthiest who can come in there prepared and also peaked yeah. which is um, yeah. very important. 
you want to speak anything in terms of peaking methods that you you would like to share to the listeners um well to the first part of your point like leading up i objectively i have my question (laughs) well the, the first part of your question is like uh i guess competing too much or like coming in too fatigued at the end of the year and one thing that as I mentioned with how much I've had to travel for work over the last two years, it's forced me to be very selective with the competitions I've done. So especially for the last three years, like I've only done three or four competitions max in a year and I love competing and I'd love to do more, but it was always just unreasonable, especially at kind of the level that I'm at now to compete. And I don't want to just compete for the sake of competing and then have a bunch of middle of the pack placings, you know? Um, But now that that's no longer the case, Um, I mean, going forward, I like to compete more, but I think, I think that that does help me for a show like OSG where it's the end of the year, but I've still only competed. That was my third competition in the year. Um, and there's reasons for that. It's not like I've just been sitting on my ass the whole year, (laughs) but I think doing the deliberate off season training allows you to have a healthier peak. I'm not so many people go from prep to prep to prep and they're just mitigating injuries all the time. Um, but Terry and I like address those injuries when we have the time in the off season, like when you're in prep, you can mitigate it and you get through the show. If you're in off season, you can actually address the issue and not just the symptoms, fix it. And then hopefully start a prep healthy. Um, but I think so many people start preps already behind the curve as far as like how good they feel physically. And they're just perpetually in a state of, uh, in a state where like they can't peak they they may peak compared to what they were a month ago for those events but like they're always performing suboptimally because their body's always fighting for recovery and generally those people are like so used to it that they won't admit it um because they're like no i feel great and it's like no you just feel like the way you've always felt (laughs) you don't know what great feels like because you're always in such a high state of fatigue um and I did that in the army for so long, not even related to uh, competing, but just like you feel like shit and so spread your spread so thin all the time that that's just your normal. And then like, I didn't realize how much that was the case until I've got out. I've been out for like four months and I'm just like, is this happiness? <laughs> so I always like to talk about kind of peaking because I think that's probably the most important. Sometimes you can not only peak for competitions, but even peaking for certain events in life. But it's yeah. a lot of fo- kind of focus in terms of being well rested. But in the context of OSG, I was watching a lot of preps. I know, of course, OSG is very important. But for individuals that never been to OSG, I saw a lot of individuals going way over comp weight, kind of overtraining, and then coming to the competition a little flat. Yeah. Um, and I think just with a six-day contest, it's not only as physically grueling, but mentally growing. We're in there for 10 hours a day. So it's really sometimes the, the battle of who can, um, again, who can be mentally tough throughout those yeah. uh, three days, especially a lot of the individuals traveling from overseas or just traveling general. I think West Virginia wasn't an easy. It was still, even from Boston, West Virginia, it was still kind of a six or seven-hour flight time for myself, which is almost as far as Europe. So yeah. Um, Again, all all different kind of aspects in that sense. Um, so peaking does matter, guys. So yeah. train with OSG to train sub all. I was to train a little less um, and just focus on just being the best self. Come game day, I always say you got to be 
um, kind of the best version of yourself. So whatever you need to do in order to get to that point, but let's get to the, let's get to the competition, Dan. So mm -hmm. before we want to, before we get to the point, I, I didn't make a little graphic for this, so I'm sorry, the other 105 kilo competitors, but I wanted to talk about the other 105 kilo competitors. Um, but, but some note, but some notable guys, um, of course, especially kind of making the finals. Of course, you have Manuel coming there. So he was the two-time yeah. ultimate champion. So I think a lot of people had him as potentially the favorite. Um, I had you as my favorite because you're my favorite. Um, but of course, you I of course you had John Almeo making the finals. I didn't think I thought he was gonna have a great performance, uh, but with just the stack lineup, I thought he would might have been somewhere in the top twelve, but coming into yeah. third, going into um, day three was, a, I think, a huge accomplishment. So he should be very proud of himself. Yes, he um, should. Right. And that's why I, I told him that after the show. I know he's beat up because uh, I know he really wanted a podium spot. Um, I mean, who, who doesn't? But I, I think he's probably a little bit harder on himself than he should have been. Um, and I talked to him afterwards and I told him that. Like, he's so young and he has so much potential. Um, and I know he's worked really hard uh, to earn that spot. And I know it's coming. Like, he's might not be next year it might be next year but i know it's coming and i just told him keep his head up um keep pushing because i know he turned a lot of heads because i i think the few of us who were at osg that competed at the last clash you know knew who he was and so we knew that he was he was going to do well but i know a lot of people were just like who is this guy coming out of nowhere um but i think he should be very proud i'm proud of him how he performed i think he did very well he, he, he did a great job and he had a great prep going into it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had a feeling that Burley was going to do well. It was good events for mm -hmm. him. He usually, every time he competes, he's somewhere between the, he's usually kind of the top five. So yeah, um, kind of very similar to Hein. Hein is anywhere between, I think that every contest he's done, he's anywhere between three and six. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, Burley's pretty much the same in the same fashion. I, yeah. Of course we saw Burley for the first time in USS nationals, uh, not knowing who he is and then coming in yeah. and taking fifth at clash, taking fifth at OSG last year. Yeah. Um, so of and course then I think uh, fifth or yeah, he's like six, six or fifth at uh, ASM as well. Mm -hmm. So he's, so Bur Burley is a bright future in front of him. And so does um, Alex Sokup. Um, yeah. Of course he, he came in, of course, turned a lot of heads last year. So coming in with that experience and I think being there, uh, I think being there for the first time and then competing again is a huge advantage. You know what to expect. You know yeah. how to time up your warm-ups, which is a huge aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I think I thought Jeff did very well for a first time doing OSG since 2017, but he did have, he did have some idea of what to expect, and he's kind of a seasoned competitor. Um, being yeah, he, he's, a, he's a mature enough competitor that he, he knew what to expect. Um, yeah, he's a – so yeah, so yeah, the Irishman Matthew McKeegan, of course, Hines up there. You have Isaac, who's a former, um, of course, runner-up back in 2018. Uh, Tim Murkowski, he's been uh, he's been kind of on the scene, but of course, he was able to kind of break into the um, top ten. Uh, mm -hmm. Philip Brinkman, uh, of course, the Arnold Amateur winner, of course, coming in. Um, yeah. Just 11th, and of course, yeah. I felt gutted for him, but I've been in that situation taking 11th and not making the finals. Yeah, that's uh, a rough spot. I think, I think it's, it's something that everybody's doing, but of course, if you, I think it's also a testament to – I think you got to look back. Even though you took 11th, there was 42 guys in your weight class, so you still beat 31 guys in, in, yeah. in the, in the, that, wanted, that wanted to compete for the title of World's Strongest Man, 105 kilos. So I think that's what you got to remember at the end of the day, mm -hmm. um, that you were still – 
um, up there. And again, continue that. Don't get married to the outcome. Continue that process, and you're going to be right yeah. there. Um, and then some other kind of notable guys, of course, Tyson Morrissey came at coming, coming all the way from um, Australia. I think he might have had maybe a maybe would have broke into the top ten if he. I think he tore his hamstring and training. Yeah, so he, I was talking kept, to him about it. Training too, right? Yeah, so he he tore his hamstring. I think like five or six weeks out, uh, maybe maybe even a little less than that. Um, then he kind of nurtured it back, trained around it, type thing. And then I think it was the—I don't know if it was the deadlifts or it may have been the the frame Denny's, but I know he came back and he was hobbling, and uh, he said he just retore it. And I know he finished. He finished all four events, but he just—I mean, you, you could see it, it was—it was bothering him. Uh, so that was unfortunate. Um, you also the one guy I also wanted to mention too was um, I got of course uh, Blake Lawrence. Uh, he came all the way from South Africa, and unfortunately, we didn't really get to see him compete. So he took. I think somewhere around top seven back in 2017 and came and first time coming back since then. He he's the current deadlift uh, world record holder at 105 kilo. I think he has something somewhere around 920 on the deadlift, Ooh. which is pretty, pretty insane. Uh, but he, but he came in with a, with an absolute flu. So we really didn't get him to see what he could have really done hundred yeah. um, percent. But, um, but of course I, I hope he comes back next year and then other noble guys, of course you have, um, Sean Shoemaker still w- winning events, especially the deadlift. Still winning deadlift events. Does no. not wear not he didn't wear a belt again, right? No, no. he didn't use straps, and I, I think I made fun of him for wearing straps. I was like, wow, what an idiot! You wore straps for an 800 pound deadlift, um, which obviously is a joke. It's incredibly impressive what he did. Um, you have a guy like Stephen Bradley who took six back in 2021. I think he was mm-hmm. top 12 last year. He didn't have the, of course the best competition, but he's another kind of great deadlifter. Um, and then there's also an individual, like, of course I met, um, guy took 13th, um, was, uh, Jacques Jager. I may be, of course I met him. I'm sorry if I butchered your pronunciation, but I thought, um, he had a great comp and I think he had a great build. So I'm excited to see him coming back. And then there's an individual Thomas Owens. He came in between Emmanuel Prescari and, um, McKeegan back at the OSG Europe's. Um, okay. so I think he might potentially have a, a bright, mm-hmm. fu- bright future as well. Um, so, so just, those are the kind of some, some highlights, of course, I saw, um, but overall it was being 42 individuals in the 105 kilo class. I think is one of the, the most people that we've seen, um, compete for the 105 kilo title. Um, so first event, the press medley going from all the way from the, the barbell to the circus dumbbell yoke and block. What did you, how did you finish? Did you, did you get the, did you end up getting the yoke? I did not get the yoke. Uh, right. So I got, I think 12th overall on this. Uh, and that was just cause I had the fastest time to hit the first two. Uh, so I think cause I hit 300 twice relatively easily backstage uh, and this was when we still thought we were going to be doing 325 or mm-hmm. 322 or whatever the yoke was going to be. So I felt comfortable with it. Um, and then afterwards, after I, I failed the 300 a couple of times, uh, I thought about it. I, I think watching the video, I just set my bar too high. Interesting. Because, um, and so to be clear, the judges and promoters put it at the height that I asked them to. It was not set at the wrong height. It was just, I told him the wrong height because I, you can see, I couldn't get any leg drive out of it 
Um, and it was already super shaky and I know other people struggled with it, but I was wondering like in the moment, I was like, why can't I get my, my legs aren't doing anything. And it's the first event of the weekend. So it's not like I was gassed, but I think it was just a little high. So when I tried to dip, I couldn't, I couldn't get as low as I need to, to get that, you know, drive out of it. Um, coming out of it, obviously not super stoked with the 12th place finish on a press event. Um, but it was supposed to be my worst event and was my worst event. So it was kind of like, well, that's done. Everything else is uphill from here because I know I'm going to crush everything else. Um, and so, uh, it was whatever, maybe I try not to sulk at all about any events. And I think I do a pretty good job about it, like good or bad. Try not to sit in it because that's not, that doesn't so help me. So Nat- Natalie wasn't collecting your tears after this event? <laughs> no, no, no. It's funny. Uh, gypsy tears. Her and other people, because I mean, it wasn't a secret. People knew that I wasn't like stoked about my performance on it. But people are like, you can tell they're kind of timid and scared to like, does he want to talk? And I'm just like, <laughs> you guys can talk to me. It's fine. Like. That was always going to be my worst event. I wasn't going to win that event. Um, uh, I mean, in in uh, prep, I was getting it at comp weight. So, like, I knew I, I, I did expect to finish it. Um, so it was a little bit of a, a knock to my ego, I think. And I was like, well, that didn't go quite how I expected. But, but it, uh, I know probably you got some good work on the block, but isn't, isn't, isn't it kind of nuts when you put all that work, kind of all that work in and you don't even get a chance? <laughs> to get <to> it <laughs> is. And that's like in hindsight, it's frustrating. It's like all the times I s- set up the yoke or the full medley by myself. And I'm just like, man, I did that just to finish the first two. And that was it. Granted, I finished the first two very quickly, but, uh, <laughs> but now, uh, what, what did you think of the anchor yoke? Do you think it's a good event that should come back or you think it's a little too, um, almost like it's like an implement that you need to almost have in order to be good at it. Um, do you think it's a worthwhile event to keep at a world strongest man level contest? I think it's a pretty good equalizer as far as like most events people have access to, or at least can get access to it. I think aside from maybe some of the Australians, no one was able to actually practice on that yoke. Um, I don't know. Like personally, I, I I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was I thought it was really shaky. But at the same time, it's like probably a pretty good test of overhead did you, ability. Did you train on a tsunami bar leading up to the, in the prep? I did not train on a tsunami. Oh well, there you go, Dan. No tsunami yeah. bar. No. Well, exactly. you know? Yeah. So I guess final answer is like I do think it's a pretty good. It's a it's a great equalizer of overhead pressing ability because. You, it's one thing to just be able to strict like I can strict press a 300 pound barbell, but the 300 pound anchor yoke was like a totally different animal. Um, and I know you, you got it. You, you just about got the block, but they, um, they actually lowered the, the lowered to us. So it ended up being 332 and 370. Um, I think I probably would have took a little more time, but knowing it was 332, I kind of just went in just shoot, shoot for the fast three. Um, but on block, I had every intention of hitting that, um, and when I went to the block, I think the one thing mistake I made was I was a little too knee heavy. Um, so made yeah. the block going backwards, but then I kind of readjusted, but then the block was very slippery. Um, mm-hmm. So it literally just slipped out of my hands and then it was a tough reclean. Um, but in the end I, I was doing like the, I was watching my metrics uh, or just mm-hmm. like the time. So I was in like the, if I hit the block, I would have been around 45 seconds. I think I still would have been the slowest 
of fourths, and fourth, then I was yes. the fastest of three. So my placing of fourth wouldn't have changed. So that yeah, ended up being enough. my best event. Ooh, surprise. But um, <laughs> but just one of those things where I was hoping to get the most points. But, you know, one of those things there, too, like they uh, the day before they talked about the leader shirt being the yellow. I'm like, that's a pretty cool shirt to wear. I was like, yeah. I wanted one of those. You got one of those, right? No, I didn't. I have a gold trophy that says uh, "World Strongest Man," but I don't have a yellow shirt. You never got a leader shirt. Were you? Were you? Uh, were you in first going into that? You were in first going into the stone. I right? was in first for three events. The last oh, three events, I was in did, first for. But they didn't uh, give it to you. Well, well, I was the leader for the last three events. But my understanding is the shirt was if you won an event. Oh, I thought it was if you're in first. I thought you were in, if you're in first place. Uh. That's how they do it in CrossFit. I may just oh. misunderstood and didn't go get one. Regardless, right. I don't have a gold shirt. I thought it was for if you win an event because, like, uh, who was it? Somebody, somebody in my class who was never in first place overall was wearing a gold shirt with their name on it. Oh, interesting. Um, All right. I think I, think I, I just thought it was if you won the event because, like, uh, I know Emmanuel had it because he won the press, and so yes. he had one for that. But after, by the time we got to it may have even been before the go ruck, but I know I was first going into the go ruck by like two points, I think. Um, so, but no, I don't have a gold shirt. Interesting. Maybe I misunderstood, but let's get Dana gold shirt one of these days. Um, grip event. Um, so you had 740, 740, 750, 750 um, yeah. going into the, the Denny handles. Um, yep. What do you think? Did you like that frame? Did you, what do you think of the skinny handles? Uh, skinny handles were less, uh, for me, the skinny handles were less of an issue than just the adjustable handles being kind of like shaky. Um, but like when I grabbed it, obviously my grip is pretty good. So I wasn't too worried about dropping it because of grip. Um, but I, you see in the video, I, I almost dropped because it was just like, I was wobbling so much side to side. Um, so that kind of caught me off guard. But, I mean, I would still do that event again. I think it was a good event. Um, the stones are stones are a good equalizer just because of how it's not just grip. It's not just speed of moving. It shakes your body in like a 360 degree, especially with those cast stones. Um, it's even different than just training with the plates that I think we all train with. So I thought it was a great event. Do you think frame is harder than farmer's? Uh, for me, frame has always been much easier than farmers. And I know that's not the case for everybody. Uh, like I hit, I had an 800 pound frame well before I ever did 400 a hand, like probably like a year or two before I ever did 400 a hand on farmers. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm also faster with it. Um, with with a frame? With a frame. Yeah. I think looking back at it, uh, I started doing the frame training or going pretty heavy um, after I came back from Italy and I realized that I was undertrained on it. So I had to, so I was, I was originally because on grip events, um, I've either taken so far in the open, I've only taken second or first. So I was really hoping for um, a big result in this because I wanted to at least finish day one, um, at least in the top three spots. So mm -hmm. ended up the day one with six. So when I got to, when I did training, I was 750 was the heaviest I did, but that was a little tough. So I knew that 790 was going to be a challenge, but um, the Denny handles were, uh, was already li lights out for me. So I, I was able to make up a lot of time by running back and going yeah. the Denny handle. And then, and then I clipped my back of my heel, um, 
and my my foot just started getting unswollen like two days ago uh, from it. So yeah. it wasn't too bad at the contest, but the week, but the of course coming back home, it it swelled up a little bit. But overall, I thought I thought that was a that was a fun event. Um, and like like you said, something that I would like to uh, do again. Um, and then Dan, what did you think of your first run on a deadlift ladder? Oh man, that was awesome. Uh, I mean, it went just about how I expected it to. Uh, never pulled on an elephant bar. I knew I was going to be able to do the first four bars, no issue without straps. So I knew that was going to help me a lot, especially I got to go towards the end. I was in the final heat uh, for the deadlift ladder, so I knew exactly what I had to do. Um, I knew that uh, doing the 800, like I would try the 800, but that wasn't really like I probably wasn't going to beat McKeegan and Shoemaker on it. So uh, were you the fastest through four? Yeah. I got third on that. Uh, two people got 800, and I got I beat everybody else who didn't get the 800. So third, um, I just gripped and ripped off all four of them. I knew it wasn't going to be. I it was way faster than I did in training, but I knew that, and just because I don't have five bars or four bars to train with in training, and so I, I blitzed through the first four, slowed down, tried to catch my breath, which actually probably hurt me. I feel like in hindsight, watching the video, like with how easy 765 came off the ground, um, probably just sprinting to the 800 and just trying to rip it off probably would have been better. But instead, I got it maybe an inch off the ground. And then when it started to become a grind, I was like, not worth it. Um, because I knew that, like I knew McKeegan and Sean were not ahead of me in points. So I was like, I don't, whatever. I was like, there's, I got another event after this. So, uh, you see, I don't, I don't try very hard at all to do the 800. <laughs> it didn't fly up. So I was like, okay, deuces. I got to look back, but hopefully official strongman will put up like the whole, every, every weight class. Like they did like the thing last year, they did yeah. a nice, like kind of recap. Um, so yeah, I look, I look forward to kind of look, look back at that. So going through some, some tape, um, now the, or for, we'll go on the, the dead. So the, the dead was probably my best executed event. Um, yeah. of course my goal was to rip the first three because even in other years, first three for the open heavyweights was always good points. But I think this is the first year where you really had to hit the fourth in order to get really mm -hmm. good points. Um, so I knew that I, I was going to go. First, first rip the first three. I ended up not be able, not able to fit into a suit. My old suit was too small. Oh, yeah, the new suit was, yeah, yeah, the new the new suit I couldn't break in in time, so I I went raw. Um, and then the A fifteen was a thirty pound PR for my for myself. Um, so yeah, I was, I was of course very proud. by I hit pound stoned that <laughs> but and then lost some hair on my knee, but that was, that was all part of the game so i was i was pumped on um that um and i knew 855 wasn't there but you know what i think maybe 850 could be happening if i if i run a pretty good training so um yeah. i'm proud of my static progress go ruck number four the event that i i wish that we didn't have to do but it, it definitely <laughs> happened um so dan did you win this event i did not which who, in who hindsight won won i'm upset about so i'm very proud of my good friend nick hine because he went into Govaruk knowing, I think he was in 11th, maybe even 12th, but he was like, I'm not going to make the finals unless I like smoke this event. He went a couple heats before me. He got like 34, eight or like wow. high 34s. Yeah. He smoked it. Um, 
And I was very proud of him in the moment. But I remember that was going to be like, this is the one event that I know I can win. Um, and I almost never ha go into any competition or event thinking that. It's just like, I know what I can do. It's probably good enough to win, but whatever. And then uh, I was in the last heat. It was the top four. This is the, uh, you know, before we go into the finals. So it's Emmanuel, myself, uh, Johnny, Alimo, and Brandon Burley. Uh, I beat everybody in my heat and then I'm walking off and they tell me the time and I was like, sweet. Did I win? And they're like, no, somebody got 34 and I was like, damn it, Nick. <laughs> but so, but Nick earned his spot into the, uh, uh, into the finals. So I was really proud of him because, uh, it's also, that's not like the Goruck medley isn't really something that. I don't think any of us, including Nick, because I've talked to him about this, that wasn't something that someone thought he was going to win. Um, that's like, because he's very strong and he moves pretty well, but like, that's just not the type of event that we would have expected him to win. But he just, he really pulled it out and showed some heart. And uh, he won that event, beat me by like half a second. But I love that event. Like, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's an easy event for me, but it's easy to set up, especially at my gym and just, put the empty sled on one side, carry the sandbags 20 feet, put my backpack on and go for did, an adventure. Did, did training feel similar to competition? Oh no. Training was way harder than the competition. Apparently. Uh, all right. I need to reweigh my bags. I don't, I mean, obviously adrenaline's always a factor. Um, I would assume that OSG weighed their bags. Um, and maybe it could be some that those bags are just easier to handle. Cause I just trained on regular Cerberus bags the whole time. You know, some people train on Atlas stones and actual Husafel stones uh i just trained bags but practicing both vertically for like a shorter or like a smaller hold and horizontally for a bigger hold um and then when i did warm-ups all i practiced on is make sure the pick felt like comfortable with the weight i didn't move with it because i knew i could because I, I trained 320 for the who's fell stone or bag, which is what was supposed to be our comp weight. We ended up doing 300. So like, I didn't go up to that weight. I just wanted to see in warmups to make sure like, um, how I was going to grip it. Uh, but I think I rode, rode an Atlas stone, the, the Atlas bags, the go bags, like once or twice picked up the H stone just to make sure I could grip it fine. And then walked out there. Uh, because like, and then so you end up second. In yep, the event? Exactly. It was like low 35. Nice. Um, oh, so you almost had Nicholas Hines. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it like he beat me by like half a second. Next time they do a go rec event, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know what? This, this is the one event where I, I think James Deffenbaugh uh, convinced me to do OSG because of this event because he said that I could do really well against the heavies. So I was looking forward to yeah, the event to like, make up really good points. Um, uh -huh. So, of course, I'll kind of go into it. Um, so, I don't know if this had any factor, but the, the getting the bag was, I was a little nervous getting the bag on. So I was over a little overzealous. So I put the strap on some, uh, one competitive. There was really, I don't know. The, at that time I was second to last heat to go of the day. I, there wasn't really a handler back. So one, like the masters was helping me uh -huh. and I put the bag on and I, and I really stood up and launched it and the whole 120 pounds hit me in the back of the head. So Ooh. I had a nice little kind of brain shake before the actual piece. Um, and I'm not sure if I, I originally, I thought that's what um, I ended up 
blacking out picking up the ball because I just dropped it in the middle and people are like, why the announcer's like, why is he dropping in the middle? The, the, the sled's <laughs> over there. So um, yeah, I, I went out and I guess Westervinsky also had the similar experience. So um, oh, I originally, I thought I was from hitting the back of the head. I think looking back at it, it could have been maybe o- some over fatigue from the deadlift going mm-hmm. into, and then going into that event kind of under trained a little bit because I, I did, I put the most time into it, but it was also, I always had it at the end of my workouts when I didn't want to do it. So I yeah. think I could have done a few more runs. So I think that's just complacency on my end. So kind of my fault. But um, originally after that event, I thought I blew it because I only got the bag over and then I flipped the Husseville bag a couple of times and then try to pick up the Husseville bag. My brachialis was kind of screaming. So um, that was a little tough. So I thought I blew the finals. So, but, and then um, my little buddy, Jerry, Lorenzo, Jerry came over um, and, told me i got ninth um so nice. i i still had a night crazy that i still had a, a, a nice little lead but um that might have kind of pushed me out of contention but the finals was the originally kind of the goal that i wanted yeah. to do but i was actually looking forward to the the go ruck actually i was looking for the go ruck then afterwards now i feel like it's i hate that event more than sandbags so <laughs> and, so figure that um yeah. even though i was the poster boy this year for sandbags can you, can you believe that dan <laughs> I, I I'm proud of you. You've come a long way. <laughs> Thank you, but still, still much long way to go. Um, sandbag throws. So I I thought this was gonna be um, your event to win or your event to do really well. Yep. Um, so tell me about it. Uh, I mean, I, I still got second. I think Brandon Burley and I are the only ones that got the 55 bag. I believe that's true. I know I got second in it, but I think that I think it's just because Brandon got 55. He went first. Um. Which is funny because the only time I missed the 55 in training was if like I just tried to rush it and my trajectory was off. So I was pretty confident. The bags, I think what probably slowed me down a little bit is the bags were farther away. And even though I trained with the bags being farther from the post at varying distances, like I didn't always do the same one. I trained it. I think they were just far enough away that it still messed with my my uh like my back step if that makes sense sure so the first time so like the first time i threw 55 i think probably would have been good uh because i missed it the first time i was just a little far away and so i got it i looked over saw that emmanuel was on the last bag as well i had no idea if he had beat me to the last bag Mm -hmm. um but i was like okay so i was like you probably got you probably got one more good throw in you so make it count so I glanced over, I look back, I take a deep breath, then I grabbed it and threw it and it just creeped right on over, um, which was nice. And that's what, that's like the only event that I celebrated super hard for, mostly because when I threw it, I was like, that's not going over. It did not feel mm. like a good throw. And then like I watched it and then it just snuck over and I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. <laughs> but, uh, and then I found out that Emmanuel did beat me to the last bag so if i wanted to got that he would have beat me on that event um wow. but yeah well that was another one i thought i thought i was gonna win it uh just because training on that had been going so well so when, when are you finishing uh time wise no what place wise second oh uh, second okay. on bag so and that me. that had me going into stones with a four point lead on second. so who, who who won the event was it burley burley yeah Early event winner. Um, so Stones, I was super proud of you. Proud of you. You had a of course a great run, but tell us about it. Uh, so 
uh, going into Stones, even with a four-point lead, I was like still super nervous just because and I said this on the that little post, post-match post interview thing that uh, OSG just posted uh, the other day of like, I've lost so many, you know, first place positions because of Stones. So as soon as I finished bags, like everybody was like, that's awesome. You have a four-point lead. Like it's in the bag. And I like... I was like, no, it's not in the bag. I was like, I still have to do really well on stones. I was like, I'm not going to win stones. I was like, we got some incredible stone loaders in this. Emmanuel's a great stone loader. Jeff is obviously, uh, Alex Sukup lied and said that he didn't train stones at all. And then he got second uh, (laughs) on the stones. And he technically was the first person, first 105 to load the 400 stone at OSG. Um, And so I'm just like, Oh man. And especially when he went first and he loaded it, I was like, I'm going to have to do so well. Like this is, I can't make a mistake. Uh, What did you, what did you do to calm your nerves and to focus? Well, so before, before we got in the the queue to like go out there, uh, I was watching videos of me loading stones Mm. because my prep for this particular comp, stone wise was very good and like i remember i i did not weight prs because it's not for max weight so it's not like i was loading 450 stones or anything but like my speed was able i was able to train at a be strong gym here in kentucky for us on saturdays for stones he's got a really good uh stone setup and so it was just like i was just watching videos of like you do know what you do like you know what to do you know how to win this event or you know how to you know do what you have to do. I knew the 375 wasn't going to be an issue. Um, I didn't think I was going to have to load the 400, and I knew I didn't have to win the event. I just had to do basically a top four performance. Uh, and so I did that. And just kind of uh, pumped myself up, and not in the same way that people might think. The way I pump myself up is actually trying to convince myself that I can do something, uh, which for people who don't know me probably think that's a crazy thing because I just won a world title. Uh, but my self-esteem sometimes is incredibly low. (laughs) So like trying to convince myself that like you are good enough to do this, uh, was the biggest aspect. And then, so, uh, fast forward to when we're in the queue, all of those thoughts kind of go out because I do a lot of like training and psychological preparation for like how to get into the zone. What's Um, what's that? Tell, tell, Tell us. I'm not going to give all my secrets away, but like, all right. give me um, but, and, and it's also not like, a, a, it's not something that just happens. Like there's a lot of things I do in training. Um, uh, Cause you can't recreate a competition every time you train. Right. Like there's really the only thing like a competition is the competition itself. Mm-hmm. And even within that, every competition is different. Um, there's always different factors. So what you can do is teach yourself how to adapt and react to external stimuli, um, whether they're negative or positive, in the same way all the time. So I do little stuff. Um, I won't go into a lot of detail for some of the more secretive stuff I do, but like even stuff like training to music that you don't like sounds silly, right? But like some people, yeah, it sounds really silly. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, so let me explain why. So like. Some people, even in warm-ups, like they can't, they can't even warm up without their headphones on, right? Mm, okay. Um, and that's like something, and I mean, 
listening to pump up music with like heavy beats per minute and all that or like high beats per minute that it gets your heart rate up it gets you excited it gets you pumped up like that is true but if that's the only thing you're relying on or like you can't perform without that now it's just a liability same with pre-workout or any other stimulants this whole prep i stopped using stimulants i didn't use any stimulants well aside from caffeine i did take caffeine but like no beta alanine no pre-workout just caffeine um one my workouts i don't crash in them anymore um but also like it got to a point where i don't need pre-workout was like something that i was just reliant on it was another dependency thing so if i couldn't get the right pre-workout or i ran out that's a whole other like problem same thing with the music oh i hate this song like how am i going to perform to this song like this is i hate it that's all you're focusing on everything except the task on hand which in this particular case was stones so like you have to train outside of the competition environment on how to deal with external factors that aren't ideal because there's never going to be ideal throwing bags or loading stones at osg uh on the main stage or whatever is not going to be like blasting your favorite song with your friends loading stones in your gym where everybody's feeling great because it's saturday you know what i mean but since you can't recreate that you have to just train your body to be in mind to respond and be able to focus in the same way regardless of what's happening around you um and so that's kind of the culminating event there for stones is like did some of my breathing exercises that i do and it kind of just like everything stops the whistle blows and then i just like blacked out because i had trained i trained what to do i knew what to do my body knew what to do my mind knew what to do it was all about focusing and getting into that like that state of letting my body and mind just do what it already did i i didn't try anything new on the stone platform you know what i mean um i didn't try a new technique i didn't try to go faster than i had gone in training i did exactly what i needed to do and in fact i was only one second off for my best time in training at comp weight um so i think i, I got third on stones um and then you can tell by my interview immediately after that i was just in shock i mean and i feel like that's acceptable feel the deal but you're still not yeah. telling your secrets but it's okay keep it <laughs> i'm still competing <laughs> <laughs> um but um i think just of course kind of after you finish it was just i think you ended up winning by 10 points was a huge margin of yeah. a, a whole comp a whole um whole event which is like again it, this was made it as a solid contest so um it was, it was pretty much five great events and of course one um of course kind of one event but you still executed probably to the best um that you again you were kind of mentioning so overall a great package and a great win for mr daniel hughes but should we go to the now the history board of okay. of all the of everybody so i'm a little bit of a strongman historian per se so, ta-da! 2023, Dan Hughes, Emmanuel Pascari, Jeff Lee. Last year was Andrew Clayton, Dan Hughes, Nicholas Hine. Myself in 2021, Chad Curry and Justin Loy. So, no competition 2020. But I also wanted to kind of bring up, I think a lot of people don't really know the history of the 105 kilos. So, the, the first one on record that I could have that could find from talking and from um, looking on the internet and the interwebs. Mm. Um, so Jane Harkakulian from I think that's Sweden um, was of course the first three time winner of, of any 105 kilos. So for 
I'm not sure what the first three were, just because I was a little confused. But of, after 2007, it was or after 2006, it was all SEL. So a lot of times you would see SEL. So Vitaly Gerzimov in that again in those late 2000s, where it was the guy to beat. Um, but you start seeing this other guy named Marius Rosenthal's who keeps appearing um, throughout this, and he kept competing throughout. So he was actually a great laughing competitor. I got a chance to compete with him in 2016. Um, ben Kelsey was probably one of the more um, stacked 105s ever. Um, he had great legs. He ended up making it to World's Strongest Man, just like Darren Sadler. Um, and he was a, he was actually a firefighter. I don't know if you, if you knew that, but he was oh, very talented. So if you guys go to my YouTube and go to past 105 competitions, I have on there um, the 2013 Giants live, and it's commentated by none other than Colin Bryce. Uh, and that's a great that's a great production. That was in the Ukraine. We had our fellow buds of Sean D. Marinas and John Johnny Wojcicki over there. So mm-hmm. um, that's a good one. But Ben Kelsey is one of those solid competitors. Uh, so I couldn't find one for 2014, uh, 2015. You had Ben Kelsey. So this was in Sweden. So Sean DeMarinas stitch ended up going there, but he ended up going there with a torn bicep. So I don't think he ended, didn't end up competing. Um, Zach McCarley was also there, uh, but he ended up winning the 90 kilo world world's strongest man um, uh, at that time. Um, Vladimir Reshka is something that com- that pops up a lot on here. Um, he was a great competitor. Um, and I personally got to compete with him about three or four times. Um, so he was a, he was a great individual. Um, so after 2015 is when kind of OSG giants live started kind of really taking over. Um, you see Cameron Ferris there winning in 2016. Um, I think at the time that was no fall of his own. He just won USS nationals and didn't really know where all the great competitors are. He just got the invite from Willie to go <laughs> to Sweden and go compete out there. But, um, I wish he competed in the 2016 show. I don't think he's going to be, he was going to beat Sean DeMarinas. I think he probably would have beat me. Um, but Sean DeMarinas was, a, had a great package. I think the only, the only the grip event was what kept him from when the contest versus Marcin Senwicki, um, who again uh, was also another great competitor who outside of winning, winning world strongest man podium twice um, at world strongest man, 105 kilo. Um, so, after then, the SEL still kind of still held competitions, but OSG was starting to kind of take over in terms of the world, really the world's strongest man title. Um, you see Miko Anala kind of popping up there a couple times. So he actually showed up at the OSG as well. So he won SEL uh, 2021, world's strongest man. Then in 2021, late, later that year, he came, but he, he ended up coming with a kind of a bad, bi- a bad bicep. So he only took 10th that year, but um, maybe with a little more healthy, we could have seen a little stronger uh, competition from him mm-hmm. um but of course you see there's a lot of two-time champions a lot of three-time champions or one three-time champion so of course the four-time champions being Vitaly ben kelsey uh andrew clayton anthony Furman. so will dan hughes be the next two-time champion i think that's determined yeah so probably so that would be pretty, <laughs> a pretty good com- conversation i know of course you, you have you have jane in there um and again, that's either Sweden or Norway. So in the comments, you guys can tell me. And then also in the comments, if you guys have any history that I'm missing about the 105 kilo world yeah. strongest man, please, please let me know. Um, but that is kind of a little bit, again, a little bit of kind of the outlook um, from what I've seen. So I think it's important to kind of track all this because right now you kind of see there's always been actually, is that 
19, 20 years worth of world's strongest. No, but you had some, you had some skips in there. So we have somewhere between 17 and 18 years worth of world's strongest man competition. So again, am I the only person to go from second to first uh, for the year? Well, you see Darren, Darren Sadler in 2005. Oh, yeah, never mind. Darren's down there. Yeah, that's right. I, I personally got went from second to first, but from 2017 to 2021. So, yeah. so I had a few years um, in between my wins. Um, I think Sean D. Marinas was probably the strongest individuals to, ne- to never win. I think he just was, it never came up. Yeah. In- well, he only did state. what two? He he only did he only did two correct. Yeah. Um, and and the then there's one year where he he won, but he just didn't really want to qualify for OSG, so he didn't he didn't invite. But then Len ended up saying it was a he regretted not having Sean there because you because got if you want to have world strongest man, you got to have the best. But Sean was all as much as I love Mr. Sean, he's also kind of um, per se he he was really strong in his good events, but he was okay he was decent at his other events. He wasn't as um, I would say good across the board like someone like maybe a clayton um who who was really good at um at every event especially on the 105 kilo level um so there you have the history so again let me know if there's any thing that i'm missing there um and then of course i'll up to keep updating this list as the 105 kilo historian but please visit my youtube my youtube page to look at all those past competitions where i try to keep all of them in one playlist um so observations for osg um we're talking a little bit off air but the first one i'll, I'll talk i'll say and then you maybe can go back and forth um was rano heinla who of course went in the masters but i never saw rano warm up dan says he saw rano warm up but well, i don't recall i saw him like specifically the deadlift and the go ruck all i saw him do was just like a the like first weight of the comp weight for the deadlift, like he just walked up and just pulled whatever 635 or whatever it was. And he was just like, that's good. <laughs> and then for the go ruck, I saw him just grab one of the heavy bags, take a couple steps with it. And I was like, but so my older than me and i have to warm up a lot more than that so the so someone was saying like i was like i haven't seen rano warm up he's like yeah he just eats to warm up so (laughs) but i was in the opens and i was like looking for him every time because he was in the lead and i was really curious how he was going to do but that um other individual um and make sure i didn't butcher his name so i have it up here um johan estacrona Espen Krona was pushing him all the time. And, he, and um, Ronald didn't win until the last event. So, um, of course, um, that was a great contest by them. Um, what was was your observations? Who, who, who really stood out to you as either a great competitor, funny competitor, well-dressed competitor, smelly oh, competitor, intelligent I'm competitor? I'm all of <laughs> uh, No, I mean – I love the 105 class as it is right now. Like it was uh, the warm up area is such a blast. And even Nat mentioned that. Like there didn't seem, at least from what from my perception and like Nat's perception, being being my coach down there with me, it's just like it wasn't stressful. There's no one that you're just like that guy's trying to get in my head. Like we're all friendly, especially all of us in like the top 10, 12, 15, like. I was nice to each other. Even Emmanuel, that was the first time Emmanuel Emmanuel and I met. And like, we just kind of walked up to each other. We didn't, we weren't standoffish introduced like, Hey, nice, nice to finally meet you in person. Um, And it was just friendly. Like, uh, I don't know. It was always fun. The 
the warm-up area is probably the most fun part of competing at shows like this because i get to see all the people i don't see uh, so so for emmanuel yeah. do you think for someone that goes by dr death he was too nice yeah, I, I don't know if he does it intentionally, but I think his name is a misnomer because he's just like a super nice, genuine guy. Um, at least in my like in my experience with him, I, I don't have a bad thing to say about him. He was a very good competitor. Uh, he was very nice. I think at first we were both kind of sizing each other up, not from an athletic standpoint, because I think our reputations, especially his, our reputations preceded, you know, preceded us. But like we were both kind of. Like, is this guy going to be an asshole or not? Um, but, I mean, by the end of it, I mean, that's why I went and hugged him after Stones before I started celebrating. Cause like, no, you just wanted to touch another guy. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've been guilty of that. I've been <laughs> but, guilty uh, of that, too. But, no, I mean, like, I love it. And Brandon Burley, because of the first time we competed each other, he goes around and tells everybody I'm a liar, and, uh, which is a, a joke that we have, and he's always – chirping at me i'm chirping back isaac may is always chirping with him no we uh, forgot to add isaac into our um into our yeah, no we did we did mention isaac yes yeah we did um but no i mean there was no like big incidents that i can remember anyway or like at least negative uh about other about other weight classes any any mm-hmm. anything you, Talk to any of the heavies. Talk to any of the ladies. I mean, there's the there's always man. Derek. Derek Owens is always screaming at OSG. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you go. You go first. I mean, I'll, there's that. But I mean, I already. I'm joking with him about that anyway. Uh, but not really. But uh, I said with, so. So on the Derek Owens point, I was saying that he was. Um, he made the most of that opportunity of getting oh, to the final. Did. So not that was knowing hilarious watching him come down. He was in the warm up area, and bef- he had already won the bags before I realized what had happened because I saw him in the warm up area in his boots and his his uh, jeans or whatever. He had like a a Leatherman and like a pocket knife in and all that, and he just grabs a bag and throws it. And then storms off and i was like is he mad that he's so like, clearly he's not competing today so like i don't know maybe he's mad about that and then we're in the queue and he's ahead of us and i watch him just smoke the bags and jeans and boots and i'm like what the hell is happening right now but he, you know he, he won both events in the finals i think he yeah. won the pre- the press medley um so I think yeah he did he won the press medley if he, cl- if he, if he cleans up i think he could be a future champion but on the Talking about the 90s, um, of course, I loved seeing the battle between Davis and McNee the whole weekend. And, of course, congratulations on McNee on um, kind of pulling mm-hmm. in, especially beating the former champion. Um, that That's that's never easy, but that's kind of twice that's happened where the former champion won with Nikolai Myers in 2021 and then took second to Tyler Davis. And then and then this year, Tyler Davis uh being the former champion took second to the to the new one so just i love seeing kind of all these competitive guys so potentially you could see three yet and you had naramu there so next year you could have maybe see four former champions head into uh world strongest man 90 kilos so that's pretty exciting um i thought chris move up yeah that's too uh but speaking of moving up so i was very proud of my buddy andrew heinous you i think he took seventh in the 90 kilos so he did something similar to me um, jumping up to um, jumping up and making the finals. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. So he's made the finals in two different weight classes, just like myself. Um, I think I'm the first 105 to not to to my own to 
or Horn, um, first 105 to make the finals since since Clayton um, going to the Open. So I, I hope I think in the future there's going to be more guys like that. I don't see guys like Sokup and Alimo staying at 105. They're just massive. They're taller they're, than they're, me. They are bigger. They're massive. So yeah. I think those guys are probably going to be Opens one day, and they're probably going to be in the OSG finals. So that's that's yeah. not going to stay long. So I was saying. Um, I forget if I mentioned, but Chris Harper. So he's the 80 kilo guy. Um, I was TikTok friends with him for a while. Um, and I was watching his training. I'm like, this guy has a crazy press. And then I was watching all his accolades and he ended up being his fellow um, Scottish uh, teammate in Dean McVie. Um, and of course, Dean is a great competitor. Um, but Chris Harper being a young kid, kind of newish to the sport, um, new new ish but he, i know he's been i think at least competing for a few years um uh, but that was a great win by him um aaron murray over nadia was i think pretty nuts because i think nadia came out with a started really hot um thing winning maybe two or three of the first events mm-hmm. and sometimes when you win when at least half the contest you have a good chance of winning the whole show so aaron murray keeping that kind of that Very focus in order to win and finish strong was huge that was um, also really exciting to watch the them and Sam compete. They were like all always in the final heat. That was really fun to watch. If you if you if, there, if there's any place to be, you always want to be in the final heat. That's yeah. <laughs> one thing I, I always recommend. Um, but that's better easier said than done. Um, our boy Jeffrey Lee going from seven to eighth to third and squeezing oh, wow. squeezing on a podium. Um, <laughs> I knew Jeff was going to win the Stones. That's his thing. Yeah. Uh, so um, Jeff just needs to go for the record one day and, and claim that for himself. But yeah. um, I knew, but I was really proud of Jeffy, especially on the sandbags throws. The back and forth between Rebecca Roberts and Lucy Underdowns. So they've been mm-hmm. going back and forth every year this year. So it's almost turning into a, a, a nice rivalry. But even though they're greater friends, they are fierce competitors. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, congratulations to Rebecca Roberts. Um, and then talking about the Opens a little bit, um, Marcus Crowder has always, everybody was like, of course, Crowder is very strong, but I'm glad he got his chance. But I think he he had that caliber to be at these big shows years ago. Um, he yeah. took second to Bobby Thompson um, at the Arnold Amateur. So, but I've personally been competing with Crowder since 2017. So this is actually my fourth heavyweight contest. My first mm-hmm. one has been a real open, but I did three at nationals and uh, three one nationals and two. Arnold Ams with him. And then as 105 kilo, I competed alongside with him in two other contests. So I've been there watching Crowder um, throughout his, throughout his years. And I always thought he's someone that could be at that, those big stages. So I'm so excited to see him at the Giants live and so, and no one else deserved it more than Mr. Crowder Chowder. I think uh, first time I ever met him, I, uh, I go, Hey, Marcus Crowder, or is it Marcus Chowder? And he looked at me and then just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're like, the- wow, this is the beginning of a wonderful friendship. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And then uh, my last note uh, was also uh, Team Canada representing in the heavyweight. So you had uh, Westermensky, oh, yeah. you had Joy Lavallee, and then you had James Jeffers. Jeffers um, yeah. Just Team Canada coming out strong. Um, oh, so yeah. – Westervinsky is someone that's I was keeping an eye on. I thought he was also good. He was going to do really well. If my OSG preview ever comes out, that I say all three of those guys, those are the guys to look out for, and they all three of them made the finals. Um, yeah. So I thought uh, just those guys potentially could be the the three. Um, I guess back in uh, 2022, uh, when Mitch got the um, invite after Ron Heinla, um, 
got the the word. I, I guess Westervinsky was also in the in the conversation to get that chance to Worlds. So I think he just, I think he again that probably lit a fire when he didn't get the chance to go to Worlds. So I think, yeah. But now we're gonna see him at Giants. He's a great competitor, and I think he's gonna keep going. But if you look at his strongman archives, he usually takes either second or third at the last like six seven contests he's done. So. Uh, and Canada in the Canada Canadian contest for you guys that don't know, or some of the heaviest contests because yep. they're run by none, none other than JF Carone. J- yep. <laughs> very um, strong lifter. Yeah. So those are all my OSG observations and fun stuff. So you know, anything you want to add? Uh, no, I actually think, I mean, there was no hurricane this year, so <laughs> was, uh, pretty much or, every aspect was a, a huge improvement from last or year. Or blizzard. We in, in 2018, there was a blizzard, which. Oh, wow. Yeah. Before. See that last year was my first OSG and it was the hurricane. So that's what, uh, uh, that's my reference point, but no, I mean, I think it was a great, very well-run show. Um, I'm sure there were issues that came up. I don't, I wasn't made aware by any of them. They didn't affect me. And to my knowledge, they didn't affect any of my other fellow athletes. So I know there's some uh, uh, judging contention for some of the other classes. I don't know much about that because I don't think the 105s had anything to do with it. So, uh, I mean, it's when I'm competing, all I really care about is myself and at most just my class. So like, if there's another 105, I don't care. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I, I only have so much bandwidth, so it's not a matter of like, I mean, I cheer for other people, especially if I'm there or if I know other athletes, like I'll cheer for them, but like I'm not following all that. I'm not rewatching their videos. Fan of, I like, I'm a fan of Strongman, Dan. All right. I am a fan of Strongman, no, too, not, but like, I have to. I also have to focus on winning. No, no, you, you got to do both. <laughs> Dan, what's what, what's next for you? What, what what are your thoughts and plans, and what can you tell the people to expect and be excited for? Are you gonna make a YouTube page? A YouTube page? Yeah, I'm on it. This is my YouTube page now. Uh, no, this is, my, this is my YouTube page. It's our YouTube page. All right, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, competition-wise, everything kind of depends on what my schedule is i got another semester of school uh i'm not sure when the fire academy is going to start yet so like there's just a lot of stuff that i don't i don't want to get set on a competition date and then have to cancel it so right now no particular competitions picked and it's for no other reason than just i gotta wait on some other uh scheduling conflict issues to be resolved or at least identify what they are so for now it's just to continue to get back into training uh, have you been spot. have you been approached for world's strongest world's strongest or America's strongest state? Uh, I did actually by a couple people, but that was that was months ago. And at the time, I thought the fire academy was starting in January, uh, and it's not. So I don't know what. That's actually a good point. I forgot about that. I ruled that out because I think a lot of those competition the competitions in January, right? So the world's strongest man, hundred five kilo, is too good for America's strongest state. That's- oh my gosh, that's <laughs> not what I said at all. <laughs> I thought I was the fire cat. The Cincinnati Fire Department or Fire Academy is like seven and a half months. So, and it's uh, like pretty involved. So, like I'm not gonna try and pretend like I can train at the same level while I'm balancing that. And that would obviously take priority. Um, so it just depends on when that's going to start. Cause it's not starting in January anymore. Hey, did you ever do that? Were you going to go for like a heavy axle press or barbell press? Did you ever do you run that? Yeah. I think I'm doing it tomorrow. 
Oh, we, we tell, tell us about that. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping for like 375, 365. For a cleaning press? I'm probably just going to do it off blocks because, you know, it doesn't really mean anything regardless. I'm not training for a comp. I just do it for fun. Um, so I'll probably just do it off blocks. Nice. Well, that'll, that'll be exciting. So check out for that. So two weeks after the competition. So you should be, CNS should be pretty ready. You should be pretty healthy. Um, but that's all I have for you, Dan. I think we did hour 15. I want to take up too much of your night. Um, but make sure you follow Dan on Instagram. He's going to have a YouTube page one day. So follow him on that. He does have a TikTok page too. So, um, I'll I'll list it below. Are you still using, are you still posting your TikTok page? Uh, I haven't, but I need to. All right. Well, I'll post it below Uh, so you can get, you can gain some traction. You can also post it. It's all about, you you gotta get, get out there and the people need to know about Dan Hughes. So Dan, before we get to the the very end, don't forget to like comment, subscribe notification bell. So you know, when the other podcast and cool vlogs and all my cool videos come out, kind of come out with trying to do more instructional videos in 2024. Um, but Dan, I'm going to leave you with the last piece as advice. So what do you want to leave the listeners? Oh man, I hate this question. I know it's always coming and I always forget <laughs> the answer. Uh, I don't know. Be, prioritize being kind to other people over being good at, uh, you know, your craft. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't focus on being good at your craft. But like I said, I think I said it in one of the interviews next year, somebody's got to win this competition. Um, it might be me. It might be somebody else. And so while no one can take my title away from me years from now, the last thing, when somebody mentions my name, the first thing that comes to mind, isn't going to be, Dan Hughes is the 2023 world's strongest man, 105 under 105 kilo. They're just going to think about the last interaction they had with me. And I think if more people prioritize that, you know, there'll be less assholes. <laughs> so what Dan was saying is smother them with kindness. So they choke on it and die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>